0: Hello, and welcome to South Asia book brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host, Shulanya Tanayaka, a research fellow at ISAS. And with me is Dr. Ranil Nanayakkara. Dr. Nanayakkara is a conservation biologist specializing in terrestrial and marine mammals. His research mainly focuses on the lesser studied species of marine mammals. Like Indian Ocean humpback dolphins, uh, Indo-Pacific finless porpoise, sperm whales, and uh, dugongs, he's here to discuss an important marine environment disaster that happened few weeks ago. During the last week of May, Singapore registered express pearl cargo ship carrying chemicals caught fire off the coast of Sri Lanka. The ship burned for days off the coast with thick dark smoke that could be seen from miles. The incident was the worst environmental disaster Sri Lanka faced in its entire history. And it is believed that this will have consequences for decades. So Bhakti Nanayakar is here to discuss with us the environmental and other consequences of this incident. Uh, Dr. Nanayakara, so tell us a little bit more about what happened. Express Pearl disaster is called the worst disaster of Sri Lanka's marine environment. Um, So can you tell us more about this disaster?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, um, first uh, first of all, uh, I would say this disaster, the magnitude that it went to, is purely uh, because Sri Lanka as a nation, we weren't exactly prepared for uh, such a maritime disaster. And also at the same time, the problem that we had was we were unsure uh, of the um, uh, cargo on board. We didn't know what sort of chemicals there were. Uh, we didn't know uh, whether what sort of uh, hazardous waste, whether was hazardous waste on board, and so on. And uh, because if we, uh, I would say, uh, had prior notice or in, beforehand as to what there was on board and when this actually uh, the ship caught ablaze, we could have actually uh, come up with certain uh, measures to sort of minimise the impact on uh, the marine ecosystem as a whole. But even today, uh, what we what we see is the the ship has sunk to a extent where it's uh, basically up to the deck and above the deck is above water and even now uh, what we see is um, which uh, whatever cargo that's on board uh, basically the um, uh, if there is uh, any sort of leakage it is seeping into the water gradually because that whatever remaining cargo has not been removed as well so there are you know several uh, issues that we have when it comes to this particular disaster and uh, prior to this, I would say uh, Sri Lanka has never, as a, a nation, faced such a uh, disaster as in such a, you know, of such a magnitude. And also, when you compare on a global scale, I would say this is very very similar to what uh, took place in uh, to the Exxon Valdez disaster, the oil spill.
0: Right, right, right. So I think uh, we can discuss on Sri Lanka's preparedness later. So before that, let me. Um, draw the attention to a recent court hearing. On July 1st, a court hearing in Colombo reported that hundreds of sea turtles were found washed ashore as a result of uh, this disaster. So in, from your experience as somebody who does uh, research on marine species, what are the short-term and long-term consequences of this disaster to our marine environment?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, to start off with, yes. Now, to date, uh, over 200 uh, sea turtles have washed ashore. Dead, and uh, we are looking at something well over 50 uh, cetaceans that have washed ashore. Okay. And uh, when you take the, because uh, generally, because a lot, lot of people were discussing, this, saying that this could be related to the monsoon rains. But during mm. the monsoon period, you do not, you do get. Uh, one or two individuals watching a show, but not up to this magnitude. Yeah, yeah. And the other is every single animal that watched the show dead uh, bore signs of either chemical burns um, and also that uh, they were basically struggling to uh, breathe. So that shows that, you know, basically they have some sort of chemical has been, you know, is affecting their respiratory organs as well. And uh, when we say the impact on the marine environment, generally from uh, June and uh, up to about July, August, is the peak season where uh, turtles come ashore to lay their eggs, and especially olive ridley turtles, because the most comprehensive study and the most common species in our waters is the olive ridley turtle. And this well could be uh, po- the population or the individuals that were coming ashore to, to lay their eggs that were affected by this because this sort of magnitude because we have we have basically in Sri Lanka we have five species of uh, turtles uh, recorded and out of the five four uh, species have washed ashore dead and the magne- majority of them have been olive ridley turtles like I mentioned earlier since that's the more common species in Sri Lankan waters. Right, and also what we saw. Initially was uh, soon as the disaster occurred. What we saw was when it came to cetaceans, but because turtles are found all over, uh, you know, in uh, shallow waters, deep waters, and so on, depending on uh, you know their age group or whether they are sexually mature or whether they are adolescent. But when it came to the cetaceans, initially what we saw was near shore species such as the uh, spinner dolphins, humpback dolphins that were washing ashore shore dead. But now, what we see is basically the animals that hang out in sort of sly deeper waters who basically hang out in the continental slope uh, beyond the continental shelf, like the dwarf and the pygmy sperm whales. We had melon headed whales uh, washing the show, and also we had the, like striped dolphins, racers dolphins. So, those are species that generally stick beyond the continental shelf. So, this is basically, I think, um, whatever. Uh, chemicals or whatever deadly concoction that has, you know, basically uh, come out of this, you know, mi- mixing of different different substances is spreading out. And uh, also the majority of the um, animals, I mean, when you take the turtles and the cetaceans that watch the show, these are fresh, fresh animals. In a, in, I mean, the carcass are very, very fresh. They are not in a high state of decomposition. So that shows that whatever is affecting them kills them. Uh, more or less instantaneously, so we have to definitely as a nation, we have to uh, conduct uh, uh, research, we have to uh, conduct water quality uh, analysis and also uh, we have to collect, you know, organ samples like liver, brain of the cetaceans and also the turtles and see what is really killing them because it could be one particular uh, substance or it could be a concoction of several that this, you know, this sort of potent deadly um, effect that we see on the uh, marine ecosystem. Because when it comes to the corals and stuff, nothing has been uh, assessed as yet. But what we see is mainly is uh, turtles and situations uh, that are washing ashore dead. And the impact will be a very, very long term impact, because if we don't know what it is. And also, if this is the olive riddle happen to be uh, the individuals that are coming ashore show to um, lay eggs, then there'll be a very, very there'll be a huge impact on the olive populations in Sri Lanka and also um, the adjoining nations.
0: Right, I think it is a very shocking situation to see the level of um, environmental impact this incident has caused, and I'm sure this is uh, not. Just an uh, this will not only cause an environmental impact, there are other impacts, including um, economic impact for Sri Lanka, for tourism and livelihood livelihood of local fishing community, and even maybe for our um, food system. So, what are your thoughts on this? Like, what are the economic and other impacts, and how serious are they?
1: Uh, yeah, when it comes to the economy impact from a fisher's perspective, from the fisherman's uh, perspective, uh, it is it, it has really hit them hard. Uh, one being, you know, uh, the fish uh, are not really. Uh, though they go out fishing and they do catch fish, not many people are purchasing buying fish from them at the moment because they don't. They are very unsure as to what is really happening. You know whether uh, you know the toxins will get into. Uh, them, whether it will be, you know, dangerous to eat, consume the fish, you know, you don't know whether you will uh, sort of, uh, for, as a human being, whether you will be affected by this. And also what we have been seeing is um, the fishing nets have been uh, damaged. When, you, when I say damaged, uh, what we see is major some of the mesh uh, nets laid out from uh, the western and to a certain extent to the northwestern province and also the southwestern. We see that the, met- the nets have basically started melting, and there is sort of a sort of a uh, what we call it. Uh, how can you put it across? Like a cottony, like a cotton wool sort of effect with the, of the nets. So that shows that there is obviously something is, that is affecting the nets as well in a in a in a very big way. And uh, if I uh, speaking of tourism, we really don't know what sort of impact there will be. From tourism, I mean, from this especially uh, disaster on tourism, uh, one uh, due to the fact that we don't know because we have a lot of uh, uh, tourists that come on beach stays and they also uh, do a lot of diving, uh, mm-hmm. snorkeling in the coral reefs and also we have a lot of wrecks found around Sri Lanka, shipwrecks and so on, which people come for wreck diving, so we don't know what sort of impact there is on this because nothing has been measured as yet on when it comes to the tourism component, we are just looking at uh, the sort of uh, the ecological impact at the moment but in the long run these will all uh, compound the threats uh, manifold and you know they will have a lot of um, impacts to different different sectors because uh, to thanks to our tri forces we, man- we managed to clear the beaches of the plastic nurdles mm-hmm. but uh, that obviously there are nurdles that are sunk to the bottom and probably hanging around in the coral reefs and so on and in the long run, as we all know, uh, plastic, uh, b- when it's, you know, kept exposed to different different elements for a long period of time, can become toxic and also fish can indigest them and there were instances where uh, some fish, that, uh, uh, basically the gills were clogged with uh, uh, these the plastic noodles and our photographs on the internet and newspapers also carried them. So, we still we are, i would say we are still measuring the impact as a whole what we see is only a fragment of what has been uh, what has been affected by this particular disaster
0: it looks like we only see the tip of the iceberg
1: i <laughs> i would say yeah that's true yes.
0: so and uh, dr nanayakar but expressed desa- this for disaster is not the first marine environment disaster happened in the recent history i think just a couple of months ago there was another incident uh, this empty diamond oil leak Um, what are your thoughts on how sri lankan government responds to these incidents and in your opinion are these responses adequate
1: uh yeah well, yeah, you're correct. There was another oil leak, but this that wasn't as uh, bad as what we are facing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, to how to deal with this, first, uh, I would say uh, globally, a lot of nations are only, you know, uh, sort of facing these sort of uh, impacts now. Because back in the in the past, uh, you know, there wasn't as many. Now, if you uh, uh, read the newspapers, you see that there are a lot, a lot of impacts because the more the trading commerce you know increases and you know the products of commerce have to move from to and from different countries you would see impacts as, uh, as this and i would say uh, sri lanka yeah since we have not really faced such an impact uh, before uh, such an incident before uh, how we could deal about go about it is we we did whatever possible from our capacity to sort of curtail the spread where even with the MB Diamond and also with um, uh, Express Perl. But to, I would say now taking these all into consideration and taking them as lessons learned, I would say Sri Lanka should uh, form a sort of a rapid deployment force. When I say rapid deployment force, I mean to have a, uh, uh, create a synergy with different, different organizations from across the board, from the private sector to the, uh, public sector, government, NGOs, and all, and choose individuals that are, you know, who has the experience and the knowledge to deal with such things or even to measure and uh, what sort of impact there is, and so on. Based on that, uh, having such a rapid deployment force, so if something like this happens, you can easily disperse the people to do uh, whatever job that has been designated to them, and when once they, you know, even the water quality analysis or even, you know, if a sea turtle or a, a cetacean washes or so show, show, you know, taking their tissue samples and analyzing them, then, then we know exactly what is going on and what is really killing them. So we can act fast. But since we weren't prepared for this, uh this sort of impact, you know, we were unable to do things. You know immediately but now we're gradually uh getting you know doing uh, getting a rough uh, idea as to what has happened and what's really causing the deaths of these animals and also the ecological impact so i would say having such a rapid deployment force will really help because then each individual knows what they have to do and they you know and the duties designated them so they can quickly go out do whatever and come up with the results as soon as possible and then based on those results we can uh, you know uh, find mitigating measures, or you know, do things, or even if we are, you know, we and if we don't have the capacity as a nation to deal with such a thing, we can always, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of contact other nations that are, you know, willing to help us to sort of uh, mitigate the impact, or even for that matter, to even uh, rectify what has gone wrong, or to even uh, help us in the cleaning up of beaches, coral reefs, and so on.
0: Right, um, Doctor Anarkar, My last question is about uh, the impact of this on Sri Lanka's prospect of becoming a blue economy. So, as an island, as an island nation, we have been talking about uh, blue economy in the recent uh, past, and uh, successive governments uh, also focus on making Sri Lanka a maritime hub. And incidents such as this. Um, Highlight the challenges to our uh, sustainability of our environment. How Sri Lanka can become a hub without harming its environment, uh, specifically the marine environment? And the, so, how uh, Sri Lanka can be prepared to mitigate uh, uh, the disaster and maintain the sustainability? Uh,
1: yeah, um, well, when it comes to being a maritime hub, i would say first what we should do is um, uh, have a thorough check on every uh, ship vessel that enters the sovereign waters of sri lanka and also the exclusive economy zone so that we know <clears throat> what sorry uh, what sort of uh, cargo they are carrying uh, the worthiness of the ship and also not only when you uh, take into consideration that part you we have to think about the um, crew as well whether they are, you know, basically uh, uh, healthy and what sort of ship there, what, what they're carrying. We could start with that and also at the same time uh, to have sort of uh, the infrastructure. When I say boats, people, train, personnel to deal. Because if we are to be, uh, you know, one of the central hubs in the south Southeast Asia area, we have to be able to deal with uh, disasters such as this. So we have to take this into consideration and develop a mechanism where we can have uh, trained personnel to deal with this and also, uh, you know, boats uh, or dredgers, ships to deal with if, if such a disaster happens. And the other, I would say, is constant patrolling our waters. So, because you, like, you suddenly you might get a, you know, ship in distress that will, you know, come into our waters and uh, signaling, in radio in saying that you know uh, that uh, they are in, you know they are facing some sort of uh, issue. So if that type, that sort of thing does happen, and if we have constant boats patrolling around, you know those boats can sort of attend to that much faster as to when if they have to you know sort of uh, get uh, permission and deploy a boat from a shore to which whichever location the boat is uh, located at. So that problem is there. So we should basically you know, develop this, taking everything into consideration and you know, getting trained personnel, the infrastructures and so on. And when it comes to the blue economy, um, well, uh, this, uh, this disaster is not really helping us. Because yeah, since now the global, <coughs> everyone is talking about the blue economy. So it's not really helping us. I would say we have to uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier to create the synergy amongst different organizations and also even we can take in the when we say the private sector the uh, shipping companies as well so they also know what's happening and they also can contribute to um, you know us uh, attaining the you know being uh, a hub in Asia and also um, promoting the blue economy in a bigger way because where they can also sort of curtail the, these sort of disasters. Because I would say, generally, if something like this of this magnitude does happen, it doesn't happen, you know, spontaneously. These are things that gradually build up with, you know, engine faults or uh, sudden uh, leakage to the of some su- substance from the containers, or even for that matter, even some sort of substance, you know, leaking into the ocean itself. So those are things that don't just happen where people, you know, <coughs> in, sorry, <coughs> instantly. Um, notice it. So, these are things that gradually uh, happen over time, you know matter of hours or matter of days and so on. So, I would say that is very very important and also uh, uh, when we uh, uh, talk about uh, shipping ports again, come to the shipping ports part, we should uh, sort of strategically, now we have Trinkamali, uh, we have uh, Hambantota, then Gaul and Colombo. So, those sort of uh, Around those areas, perhaps we should have uh, even smaller boats, petroleum, to see you know, what sort of effluents uh, uh, are being pumped, uh, discharged to the sea because the other impact we have is uh, we also have uh, uh, the, the uh, impact such as this. If there is a disaster, but we also have another impact where ships constantly coming to our waters and they release the bla- uh, ballast water. When you release the ballast water, we had invasive organisms Entering uh waters, so those also can have impact. So, when it comes to the ble- blue economy part, we have to take those also into consideration because we don't know what sort of um impact those organisms will have in our waters. Whereas, in the wa- you know, in a different area where the ship is coming from, there will be predators to sort of curtail that sort of thing. But whereas, in our the, uh, the tropical waters in Sri Lanka, we might not have those organisms to sort of you know counteract whatever
0: the impact they will have in this area thank you dr uh, Nana Kar, for joining us today um, sri lanka is uh, called the pearl of the indian ocean because of its natural beauty and stunning beaches but today once golden beaches um, evidence the pollution caused by this massive disaster uh, as you have been explaining to us we don't know how long it will take for sri lanka to recover from this. But uh, let's hope it will be soon. On that note, dear listeners, we hope you have enjoyed this session. If you are interested to learn more about our analysis and our work, please visit our website www.isas.nus.edu.sg. Thank you.